God is good, and all the time, God is good. Hey, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, we're Church Online, and so it's uh, maybe different for you, it's different for me, but um, hey, I'm excited that you're allowing me to be into your living room, and uh, thank you for joining this morning with us. Uh, we started last week, if you remember from my back porch, we started a new series entitled, God Never Said That. And uh, so we're kind of thinking about how we as Christians, oftentimes we, uh, we quote God as if he said something when in fact he never said that. Last week we looked at that quote, since uh, God is good, then life is always good. And here's what's wrong. If, if that's what my theology is based on, then when things are crazy like they are right now, then God is either not good or God is not in control. And so we have to understand that even in difficult times, uh, God is still good, even when life is not good. Uh, so let me just think about some other ones, and maybe you could post some in the comments, some that you are thinking that are like misquotes uh, of God. Here, here's one. When God closes a door, he always opens a window. You, you may have said it, you may have heard that, but God never said that, okay? Uh, and it's kind of scary. What, what if you're on the 12th floor? Think about that for a moment. All right, here's another one. God helps those who help themselves. God never said that. Uh, how about this one? The devil made me do it. For sure God didn't say that, but, but Adam and Eve did, but that's a different story. So let's think about today. Um, what, what do we want to talk about? What is the misquote of God today? And that is this, and I think it's really important for us to understand this in the season that we're in. Here it is. God will never give you more than you can handle. And that's not what God has ever said in Scripture. We, we say that. I, I think I've probably misquoted God and said that. But that's not, in fact, as you, as you walk through skip, Scripture, really, it's, it's maybe the opposite of that. Um, let's think about the theology of that. It's, it's me-focused. The statement is, God will never give me more than I can handle. It's, it's me-focused, like I have to handle it. You know, Paul said, be confident in this very thing. He who began a good work in you, will, he will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Ephesians talks about my salvation is sealed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, so it's not up to me. Okay, so actually when we, when we walk through this this morning, we're going to see that um, not only is it bad theology or a misquote, the, the opposite is in fact true. Um, and, and I think we get the misquote um, from 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and it may be just a misinterpretation of this scripture. So let me read it for you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So what the scripture says is he's not going to allow more temptation than you can handle. But he doesn't say, I'm not going to allow more struggles or suffering or chaotic circumstances. And so I think we've maybe misquoted that verse. And so when you think through scripture, let's, uh, kids, I know you're out there, think about it. You know the Bible stories, you've probably heard of Gideon. Remember Gideon went into battle, but remember what Gideon said to God? I'm the least of the least, God, I, I can't do it. He felt inadequate. And actually it was a good place for him to be because once he decided he couldn't do it, he realized God could. Well, what about Moses? Remember Moses when, when God came to him in the burning bush and he said, I can't speak, I stutter, you know, I can't, God, I can't be used. And God said, I'm going to use you. Esther, she was afraid to go to the king, and, and rightfully so, but she realized it's not in her strength, it was in God's strength. I think about Paul. You know, Paul was what I would say the greatest missionary that ever walked 
the earth. And yet Paul, he prayed, and, and so scholars have gone back and forth, and there's all this, you know, great debate on when, when Paul said and prayed, God, remove this thorn in my flesh. What, what was that? We don't really know. Most or many scholars at least think that it was considering his eyesight that he couldn't see well. And, and he was, I'm sure, in prayer earnestly, God, I, I could serve you better if you remove this, whatever that thorn in the flesh was. So let me read that a uh, few verses there. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12. 7, and it says this, At least I should be exalted above measure by the audience of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. Again, this is Paul talking. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. And, and, you know, in those words, maybe to slow me down, to stop me. And he says, Lest I be exalted above measure. Verse 8 then says, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Now, normally when we read that, we think of, oh, he prayed three times. But I think it goes much deeper than that. It's not that he just, you know, prayed three different times in one day, and it's like, oh, well, no. No, I, I think it's a, a sense of like earnestly, a, a season of maybe fasting and praying and, and gathering the church around him. Here's a sickness, and, and let's, let's have a season of prayer. And, and so three different times they prayed. And here was the answer God gave in verse 9. God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take away your suffering my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so all throughout the scripture, we see people who, um, they were given more than they could handle. They themselves couldn't handle it, but God can handle it. God can. And so right now, uh, my assumption is that you're a little stressed out. I know I have been. My assumption is you feel like, God, I, I can't handle this. This is, this is scary. I'm nervous. I'm fearful. I, I'm filled with anxiety, all those things. And, and what I want you to understand is that's the reality. You, you can't, I can't handle it. We have to give it to God. Um, this past summer, I had an opportunity uh, with my brother and, and five other men to go on a hike. And I'll be completely honest with you. It's the most desperate I've ever been in my life. Um, most of the time I, in my life, I've been somewhat, for the most part, in control. You know, other than the little, uh, my, my kids fell and broke their hand or their arm, and I, I can't fix it. Um, but in this hike, um, I couldn't eat. I was sick. And there was points in my tent that I was um, fearful. And I had to just say, God, if I'm going to make it through this, I mean, there was no easy way out. Then I'm just going to have to rely on you. And, and the seasons of prayer that I had on this hike were amazing. And I want, I want to just show you uh, two videos, all right? Two videos that are going to um, kind of maybe, they're, they're raw videos I just took on the hike. One's in my tent. Uh, one is out on the mountain. And I want, so I, I want you to sense, and you can see on my face, the fear uh, and the frustration maybe, and just the anxiety of these videos. Day eight, we had pretty good light day. 12 miles, 13 miles, I think, I don't remember. But not much climbing. Just threw up again. Yeah, hoping to get to eat soon. And now we're waiting out a little bit of a health storm. And also had to duct tape. Hey, it's day 13. Hopefully I'll get to load this this evening when we get to Reds. Whew, trying to catch my breath. Look at that view behind me. 
Hey, if you haven't donated, go to manaworldwide.com. Donate for Feed the Need. Continue to pray for us. Hope you have a great day. Wow, right? I mean, I, when I posted that last video, I got comment after comment after comment. I'm praying for you. People could see uh, I didn't look well, uh, but God knew. And here's what I want you to know. Today, you're not alone. We're all a little fearful. We all have some anxiety. We all feel like, God, I, I, can't, I can't handle it. It's too much. And when I think about Moses and Gideon and Esther and, and David standing before Goliath and all the, the heroes of the faith, they, they had come to a point where they couldn't handle it. And so they gave it to God. But I think the most important one and maybe uh, the most surprising one is found in Mark chapter 14. So if you've got your Bibles there, maybe you've got your phone, your Bible app, uh, turn to Mark 14. And, and let me just real quickly set up the context here. Jesus has just left the upper room. They've just celebrated Passover. They are now at the Mount of Olives and they're entering the Garden of Gethsemane. In just a few hours, they're gonna come arrest him right here in the garden. This is a place so that Jesus often went to pray as scripture teaches us. And let's think for a moment, God, Jesus here is completely God, completely man. And what, what is his emotional state? Because all throughout scripture up to this point, we only see Jesus completely in control, no fear, no anxiety, no stress. He's got it, right? So Mark 14, 32 says, Then they, so this is Jesus' and disciples, they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he be, so here's the phrase. Look at verse 33. He began to be troubled and deeply distressed. He was troubled and deeply distressed. Maybe that describes you today. I know for me, this, I'm not a person of fear. I don't usually have much stress. I am not usually have much anxiety, but this week I've probably wrestled with it more than ever before. Like I'm not in control. How do you pastor a church through this situation? I don't know. I didn't take the class, right? And, and yet here Jesus in the garden began to be troubled he was deeply distressed. Look at verse 34. Then he said to them, so he speaks to the disciples, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. And verse 35 says, he went a little farther and he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, like this term of what we would say, Dad, Daddy, all things are possible for you, God. Take this cup away, this cup of suffering that he was about to partake of. Nevertheless, he says, not what I will, but what you will. And so we think about the first time we've seen Jesus distraught, deeply disturbed, near death. He's just overwhelmed. It's more than he can handle. And he began to be troubled. Now, we could get into a lot of thought and talk about this and really deep into the weeds, but I don't want to go real deep in this, but I want us to realize that if Jesus has a, a moment in his life here where he's deeply distressed, and, and maybe this moment is you right now, you're deeply distressed. You know, uh, this past week on Wednesday, I, uh, we, we gathered around the car and we prayed for my son as he was driving back to Springfield. And, and I, I felt like this hopelessness, like I can't control the situation, I can't protect him. Um, and then Wednesday, 
uh, we, we prayed around uh, the kitchen with my daughter, uh, excuse me, Thursday. And the same thing, we were sending her back to Springfield to college and, and I, Joy and I had this like, you know, like distressed moment, like we can't, we're not in control, we can't control this situation. So here, here's what I want us to think about. What should we do when we feel like we have more than we can handle? What, what is God wanting us to do? Well, I think it's found right here in the text we just read. And, and of course, Jesus is our greatest example. And what did Jesus do? The first thing he did was he prayed. So just maybe this week, today, every day, let's just pause and pray. He talked to the Father. And that's what he said when they asked him, teach us to pray. He said, and that's how he addressed God, our Father, Dad who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And, and, and so we, we have this gift as children of God that we can talk to him. We can, we can have a conversation. Prayer is just a conversation based on relationship. And so we have this conversation with God the Father based on our relationship. And, and so before I go any farther about prayer, I, I want to maybe today think about that sentence. Think about that definition. Prayer is a conversation based on relationship. I can go to God the Father because He is God my Father. And I would ask you, is God your Father? The, the psalmist in Psalms 23 says, the Lord is he's my shepherd. And, and so is God your Father? Is He your shepherd? What, what do I mean? Well, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him, they should not perish, but they will have everlasting life. And, and so... In order for God to be your father, you have to approach God through Jesus. It's by faith in Christ. And so maybe you've never done that. Can I encourage you to do that? Jesus is the hope of the world. He can bring comfort in our distress. So maybe you could pray right where you're at, wherever you're watching this. And here's maybe what you could pray. God, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that three days later, he came back to life. God, I believe that Jesus is the only way to you. So in this moment, I confess my sins and I confess my need for Jesus. Would you save me? Would you forgive me? Would you redeem me? And, and if you prayed that prayer, I prayed that prayer as a 17-year-old. If you prayed that prayer today, 40 years ago, whenever it was, then you have a relationship with God through Jesus, and, and so we can pray. It's a conversation based on relationship. Let me, let me read this quote for you. Uh, this is actually by my brother. Here's what he says. The power in prayer is not to move the heart of God, but to be moved to the heart of God. In this moment of distress, cry out to God, pray. The psalmist said it this way, hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So what did Jesus do? He prayed, number one. Number two, we see in this passage, is he just surrendered. So if we're feeling a little overwhelmed, and, and probably you are right now, uh, two things Jesus did, he prayed, and then he surrendered his will to God's will. Look at verse 36 again. It says, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And so Jesus in that moment is saying, God, I would rather not, 
but I surrender to your will. God, I, I'm, I want to be in control, but I acknowledge I'm not. So what does some surrender mean? Um, I think, think of it this way. It's a trade. Don't, don't make a trade. So um, some of you are football fans, some of you are not, but the Houston Texans this week made a terrible trade. I'm not going to get into that. And I'm kind of, I don't care because I'm a Cowboys fan. But the Houston Texans made a terrible trade. Here, here's the trade that we tend to make. Listen to it. It's our tendency when times of heartache and trouble come, we begin to trade our certainties for doubts and uncertainties. Uh, let me say it this way. Don't doubt in the dark what God has revealed in the light. So our, our circumstances now are, are unprecedented. We've never experienced this before. But what does God's word say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear nothing. Why? Because God is with me. He's with you. So don't doubt in the dark what God has revealed in the light. I love this statement by Bob Goff. He says this, Sometimes God's let us lose hope for a moment, so we'll retrace our steps and we'll find him all over again. Let, let me read that again. Sometimes God lets us lose hope for a moment, so we'll retrace our steps and find him, Jesus, the hope of the world, all over again. So I want to just encourage you today. Jesus, he was distressed. Maybe right now you are distressed. Maybe it comes in waves, right? So, so how are we going to respond, church? How are we going to respond to the circumstances? It's, it is more than I can handle, so I'm going to look to God because He is my strength. He is my rock. He is my provider. So I'm going to pause and pray, and I'm going to stop and surrender. And Psalms 46.10 says this, Be still and know that He is God. Be encouraged today, church. God is not surprised about what's going on. God is just re as real in your living room listening to this as he is if you're in the sanctuary. God is with you. That was the point Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us. Pause and pray. Stop and surrender. God, I'm yours. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we are thankful that we have your word to remind us that even Jesus, when he was emotionally distressed, he cried out to God. Lord, I pray for those watching right now. We have uh, young kids who are watching. We have those who aren't so young watching. But I pray, Lord, that your word, your spirit would comfort. Lord, I pray you would bring, bring opportunities for us to just draw closer to you, to, to pause and to pray, to stop and to surrender and realize you are in control. We thank you for grace. We thank you that no matter what we face, you are with us. It's in the precious and powerful name of Jesus that we pray, amen.